Good morning, City Light. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Um, as Doug mentioned, my name is Chuck, and I also get the joy of being one of the pastors here at City Light, and uh, it's been so much fun uh, being a part of this church in this way. Um, I don't know about you guys, but this weather has just been rocking me. I'm not even going to act like I'm putting up a front or anything, but the weather has just taken its toll on me this year. Have you guys felt it as well? Yeah, um, you know, it's been kind of a long winter. It's been a little bit harder winter than what we've had in recent years, but uh, I'm just so glad that you guys are here this morning hanging out with us. And as Doug said, I get the privilege of talking with you this morning about a subject that is near and dear to our heart, money. You know, money is one of those things that uh, when you start talking about it, it usually uh, brings up some type of emotion in an individual's heart. Uh, for some of us, there might may be a, a sort of confidence that wells up in us because we've done a good job in, in how we've handled our money. Uh, we've taken good care in the, in the finances that we've been given. We've saved well. We've got that nest egg that we've always been looking for. We didn't get overloaded with debt, and so we actually are able now to kind of enjoy the benefits of some of the choices that we've made over the years. And I want to say to you, if that's you, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for being, for being an example of how we should handle money. Thanks for, for being an example of uh, what it looks like to glorify God, to bring glory to Jesus with your finances. So thanks for doing that. Jesus is building his kingdom of generosity, and you guys get that. So for some of us, it's that well of confidence that kind of comes up in us. For others, just hearing the word money causes us stress, right? Because we know we have that, mount, uh, that, that mountain of bills that's sitting on our counter at home or it's filling up our inbox. So we understand that money is kind of stressful. It kind of brings a little bit of anxiety to us. Instead of feeling confidence, you kind of feel shame and guilt in how you handled your money. Because the reason that you're in the position that you're in is because you didn't make the best decisions that you could have made. You maybe bought that bling that you didn't necessarily need. Or you spent way too much on that pair of jeans to uh, impress those friends of yours. Or maybe um, you just, you know, didn't, uh, didn't do things the way you should have. Maybe you uh, invested in that get-rich-quick scheme that was supposed to work out, but it didn't. You're not only broke, but you're broke in. The good news is, is that Jesus is in the business of healing broken people. He can turn your selfish, greedy heart into a heart that is sacrificial and generous. Some of us in this room are in a position financially that we honestly don't have any control over. Maybe you're a single mom that was left high and dry by your boyfriend or your husband and you got this mountain of bills that you don't know how you're going to pay. You're working two jobs only to find out that there's way more a month than there is money. And your situation might be a little bit hopeless. I want to let you know that Jesus is calling you into a kingdom that overflows with generosity. 
there might be some of you in this room who you're like, I'm good, Chuck. I got it taken care of. My money is my money. I work hard for it, and I'm going to spend my money the way I want to spend it. Well, I honestly think that Jesus might have something to say to you this morning as well. As we've been looking at this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus actually preached to his disciples over 2,000 years ago, we see that he is describing what life is like in the kingdom that he is building. What we see is that this kingdom, it's upside down from anything that we've ever known before or have ever experienced. And what Doug read for us, it's another glimpse into how this kingdom that Jesus is building is unique and how it's distinct. These verses tell us that Jesus' kingdom is a generous kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is a generous kingdom. And I want us to see at least three things out of this this morning. Number one, our treasure directs our heart. Number two, selfishness, it leads to darkness. And then number three, you can't serve God and money. So let's start at the beginning by talking about how our treasure directs our heart. Over and over in this Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus getting at our heart. And he's redirecting us to think deeper about what's in our heart. At the heart level conversation, Jesus wants us to realize that what happens to our treasure will ultimately happen to our heart. Look at it. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's the warning, right? Now look what happens to those treasures. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So if you gather a bunch of stuff, and you put it in your garage, or you stick it in your barn. Or maybe you organize that stuff in your basement, or you put it in your shed. Or you take some of those files, and you keep them on your uh, game system at home, or you put them in your laptop. What Jesus is saying is the warning is, those things will decay. They will rust. They will be eaten by worms or they may be stolen by thieves. That's the warning. Jesus, he gives us some encouragement also though. He says, uh, look at what else he says. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And look what happens to these treasures. Neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. These treasures, when they're put in the right place, are secure and unaffected by the elements of the world. These things won't decay. They won't be eaten up. They are unable to be stolen. They are in a safe and secure place because they're in a different place. They're in a place of safety. So Jesus is telling us we all have a treasure, right? And he's telling us that there's two different places where we can place this treasure and that there are two results that happen when we place these treasures in that individual place. So he doesn't stop there. Look, what, look at what he does next. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, he connects our heart 
to our treasure. He tells us that where we place our treasure is actually an indicator of where our heart is or where it's soon going to be. It's, and he tells us that the same thing that happens to our treasure will also happen to our heart. Our heart will actually decay. Our, our heart will actually be stolen. Our heart will actually be eaten up by the things of this world if we place our treasure where, if we place our heart where our treasure is. So our, our treasure directs our heart. Now this is easy to see whether you follow Jesus or not, right? If you take some stocks and you buy some stocks, what do you begin to do? You track those stocks. You find out what those stocks are doing on a daily basis. You want to look, if that thing is up a half, you're like, yes. If it goes above a a dollar that day, you're like, oh my goodness. You think you hit the jackpot. But oh man, if it goes down, what happens? You're sad. You're like, oh, my 401k is in trouble. I'm going to hit the panic button. I need to get out of this thing right now. You begin to track that, and your heart begins to follow that stock. Your heart follows your treasure. Or if you buy a new car, what happens? This happens to me. You buy a new car, man, you take care of that thing. You wax it. You clean the inside. You make sure it's all clean. And then if those kids... If those kids spill something on those leather seats, man, they are in big trouble. I'm going to wear their tails out, right? I mean, we track what our, our heart is, follows our treasure. It, this weather, it messes with our vehicles, right? We're afraid that somebody's going to crash into us. Or we're afraid that the rust is going to screw our car up. So our heart follows our treasure. It's a fact of life. And Jesus says it's not just a fact of life, but it's connected to eternity. Right out of the gate, Jesus is telling us that um, there is a battle going on for our heart. And it has some high stakes. But there's good news. The good news is that if our heart is set on heavenly things, then what happens to those treasures will also happen to our heart. If we lay up treasure in heaven, then our heart won't suffer the decay. It won't suffer the, uh, be eaten up by worms. It won't be stolen away. In fact, it's safe and secure from any elements that this world has. So let me tell you a story of how this played out in my life. It happens so easily, and honestly, it Felt like it happened overnight, but what I found myself uh, in is I found myself at the bottom of a, a, a slippery slope that was slow and gradual. Now, I'm sure for my wife it was something that she could see coming a mile away, but for me it was a slippery slope that was slow and gradual. Against the better judgment of my wife, we moved into a house that was beyond our means. And not only that, but we bought a car that was just a little bit out of reach. And you know that $35 introductory offer from the satellite company that comes with like free Big Ten network and the NFL ticket? Folks, that $35, it doesn't last forever. That bill grew a bunch. And so I found myself with all of these bills that was going on and it just got ridiculous and it seemed like it happened overnight. 
I was laying up treasure on earth. I was doing exactly what Jesus was telling us not to do right here in Matthew chapter 6. The house, it began to fall apart. The car, it lost its cool factor. And you know what happened to to my health? All I did was watch that stupid satellite all day long whenever I got home, and it threatened my health, and I got lazy. My treasure was falling apart, and my heart was falling that way as well. And just like Jesus said would happen, my heart suffered the same consequences as those things that I treasured. In my heart, there was, there was this tension of how am I going to make things work? I was anxious about bill collectors calling and asking for the money that I told them I was going to pay them. I was afraid of how I was going to be looked at if I was found out. My heart was following my treasure. The things that mattered to me were status and success and maintaining my position. That's what I was concerned about. That's what my heart was chasing after. And what I was learning is that Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said that our treasure directs our heart. City Light, Jesus wants to show us this morning that our treasure directs our heart. And so that brings us to our second point. Selfishness leads to darkness. Selfishness, it leads to darkness. And let me show you how. Take a look at verse, uh, verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is laying out a truth here that explains what it means to lay up treasures on earth and to lay up treasures in heaven. Walk with me. He uses the illustration of a healthy eye and a bad eye. A healthy eye here refers to a generous person. And a bad eye refers to a selfish person. person. Now, this might require some explanation for us, but... To the listeners that were hearing these words of Jesus, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Jesus used a figure of speech here that was common. Think about it like this. If I were to tell you that Jen, my wife, is the apple of my eye, what would I mean? You guys would know pretty clearly what I meant, right? I would communicate to you that she is the one that I cherish above all all. That my relationship with her means more to me than any relationship that I have with anyone on this earth. Jen is the apple of my eye. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. When Jesus used this phrase about the good eye and the bad eye, his listeners, they would have known immediately what Jesus was talking about. They would have known that he was talking about a generous person and a selfish person. It was a common phrase. And I think the way that Pastor John Piper tells it, um, says it, he kind of gives us a little bit better of an explanation. Let me see if uh, if you can track with it. He says, you have a good eye if you look on heaven and you love to maximize the reward of God's fellowship there. Did you get that? 
Jesus is saying that a generous person's heart is postured to look toward heaven and wants to maximize the reward of God there. However, a selfish person's heart is postured toward the things of this earth and wants to maximize the glitz and the glamour. It wants to maximize the money and the power that, uh, that, it, that this world offers. But Jesus, he doesn't stop there. He says that this, this person's eye, this selfish person's eye is full of darkness. But he doesn't stop there. The end of verse 23 says, If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is telling us that if we don't see things this way, if we don't see things his way, that then, then even the light that we think we see, the glitz and the glamour, the, the power and the wealth, the safety and the power that money offers, it's all darkness. You are walking in darkness. You are sleepwalking through life. You're serving money as a slave without even knowing it because it has lulled you to sleep. So back to my story. I was walking in a very selfish way in life. Um, I made decisions based solely on how it affected me. How did it make me look? Um, How was I comforted? What would people think of me if I did this. And so that's how I was walking through life. Now, before we moved out into the country, I, um, I went through the motions of talking to my wife about moving into that house. But I had it all figured out. I had to, dis- the, in my mind, the decision was made, and man, I sold for a living, so I knew how to get Jen on board, right? I mean, it was something that was, for me, it was going to be a, a slam dunk. And I had, I, we sat down and we had a conversation. And it took a little bit longer than what I thought, but I wore her down, man. <laughs> I wore her down and I finally got the yes that I was looking for. The same thing happened with the car. I saw it, I wanted it, and I got it. In my mind, I was getting it done. I mean, my friends thought I was doing well. My family thought I was doing well. But what was actually happening is I had developed a posture that was more concerned with the glitz and glamour of this life than with laying up treasures in heaven. What I know now that I didn't know then was I was in a very dangerous spot spiritually. I was in a very dangerous spot. You see, I thought that I was walking in a way that was bright and pleasing to God. I was here every Sunday. I was the dude out greeting people. I was in a city group. Shoot, guys, I was on the advisory team, which is a team that helps lead our church. I mean, I thought I was doing everything the way I should have been doing. I was punching my time card with God a bunch. I was putting in all the time that I could put in. But I was walking in darkness. I was using all my abilities, but I was still walking in darkness. The reality is, is I was walking in darkness because Jesus, he didn't have 
my treasure. He didn't have my money. I wasn't being generous with my dollars. And maybe your story is different from mine. Maybe instead of buying more stuff, you like to save more stuff. Maybe you're like my friend Greg, who had a, let me see if I can get this right. He had a backup savings account for the savings account that backed up his savings account. I have no idea what that even means. But that was Greg's story. He didn't buy anything. He kept saving all the while he wasn't being generous. Now, with all this talk of the heart, you might be wondering, where's my heart? How can I get a gauge on where I am? Well, one of the best ways to figure out where you are, where your treasures are, is what, look at your bank statement. What does your bank statement say about where your dollars are being spent? Does it reflect generosity? Does it reflect giving like Jesus' kingdom does? Or does it reflect taking and receiving and saving for your own kingdom, for your own glory? Take a look at your bank statement and then be honest with yourself. City Light, Jesus wants us to know that our selfishness it leads to darkness. Lastly, you can't serve God and money at the same time. The truth that Jesus is telling us here is you are either, you are either serving money and what it will get you or you are serving God. There is no middle ground. So let me wrap up with how this played out in my story. As I mentioned earlier, I was uh, on an advisory team and this is a team that when our church first started going, uh, it helped lead our church. And so we were over in the Emerson building, and we were in a, in a meeting, and we were talking about space because we didn't have much of it. I mean, that little building, it seated maybe 140, 150 people, and we were filling it up a couple times, and we were trying to figure out what are, what are we going to do? It was a difficult time. Our desire was to see the mission of God move forward. And we, wanted, we didn't know how that was going to happen. So we were, we were chatting about what that might look like. And the opportunity to, to come into this building hadn't yet uh, surfaced. And so we were talking about what it might look like to buy. Now, whenever you start talking about buying something, that gets real expensive really quick. When you include renovation and all the stuff that has to take place in order to seat this many people, um, it starts getting into like the seven-figure number. And so as we're mulling all of these things around, as we're chatting about them, um, a guy that was on our advisory team, he's one of the pastors over, in, over at City Light Omaha. His name is Chris Horuska. Chris Horuska, he said something to me, said something to all of us that went straight through my ear and to my heart. Y'all ever had anything like that happen? Like it, you're here and you're like, oh man, I wonder what he knows. Does he have some inside knowledge? Because... He just spoke to me, and I think I'm feeling a lot of guilt right now. Well, what he said was, hey, folks, we need more money, and we have got to set the pace, talking about that leadership team. We have got to be the pace setters and show others what it means to give. And I knew I was in trouble. I chewed on that thing for a couple of days, and I knew that my heart 
wasn't in the place it needed to be, to be. I knew that I was spending more dollars on the stuff that I wanted and not, the, not investing in the kingdom of Jesus. And if you would have looked at my bank account, you would have said, I can't tell if this guy loves Jesus. It was real for me. And so after a sales call, I was sitting in my, um, sitting in my car, and this was just all over me. And I remember saying, Jesus, if this is where you want me to go, if this is the direction you want me to move in, I can't do this on my own. I can't figure this thing out on my own. And I want to be different. Would you make yourself look more beautiful to me than all of this stuff that I'm chasing? After that, I went to my wife. And I said, Jen, I'm sorry. I led our family poorly in this area. Will you forgive me? She heard me say those words that I think everyone in this room loves to hear another person say to them. You know what I'm talking about? I was wrong. You were right. (laughs) Jen was super gracious. She forgave me, loves me, and we're walking through this thing together. Shortly after that, we sat down and we looked at our bank statement. And you know what we found out? As we looked at that, we realized we were spending lots of money on entertainment and eating out. So we took, um, we, ca- we canceled the satellite bill. We stopped eating, out at le- eat, stopped eating out as much. And we began taking those dollars that we were spending there and giving them to the mission of God through City Light Church. Now, a good place to start is 10%. Um, like all your financial guys will say that's a good place to start. Better than the financial guys saying that. Jesus actually says that in the Bible. And so a good thing to shoot for is 10%. Now Jen and I couldn't, like we couldn't start with 10%, but we, that's, that's, we started with something. We gave as much as we could, and then over the last months we've been able to share that, increase that more and more. So folks, this kingdom that Jesus is talking about, it's a kingdom filled with generosity. Jesus' kingdom is a generous kingdom. Jesus, he showed me grace. He did for me what I could not do for myself. He lavished a love on me that I did not deserve. He didn't turn his back on me whenever I was chasing my own kingdom. He didn't like throw my sin uh, back up in my face. He didn't say, Chuck, you need to clean yourself up and then you'll be worthy of following me. No, he said, Chuck, just come to me. Just come to me. He is faithful when I'm not. He fought for me when I was too lazy to fight. And he won't quit until his work of grace is done. Jesus did this for me. And City Light, he can do that for you. He can do for you what is impossible for you to do for yourself. You say, I want to be a part of this kingdom. It's not something that you can earn your way in. You can't give enough money to be a part of Jesus' kingdom. You can't do enough good things that hopefully may outweigh the bad things. You don't get in on the coattails of your spouse or of your parents. That's not how it works. There's only one way to get into this kingdom that Jesus is building, and it's through the gracious generosity of the king. 
The Bible tells us that God gives his love to us. He shows us what generosity is by first giving to us. He doesn't require us to clean up before he loves us. He doesn't say start acting right and then I'll love you. While we were still sinners, God showed us his love. He gave us his love by sending Jesus Christ to die for the very sin that we commit. The only thing that we need to do is say, God, what Jesus did on the cross, I believe that he did that for me. That's it. And you can do that right now where you sit. City Light, your treasure is indicative of where your heart is going to go. Our God is a generous God. And he showed us his generosity when he he sent Jesus to die for our sin. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know where you are financially. But I'm telling you from personal experience. I experienced the generosity and grace of God in a way that got to my heart. It was hard to hear. It was a rough road to walk. But God is gracious, and he wants to walk that road with you. You guys pray with me. Oh, Father, and we talked about a subject today, Lord, that, um, man, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to talk about. It wasn't easy to take. But, God, we know your grace is absolutely amazing. And, Father, we just ask that you would with whatever's going on in our heart right now, if we're feeling guilt, would you just tell us that, oh, I love you. (laughs) I love you. I want to walk with you. If we're feeling anger, oh, God, would you just deal with that in our hearts? Oh, God, if you would just minister to us right now, Lord. God, I pray that every person in this room would know the joy of what it means to be in this kingdom of generosity that you are building. Yeah, Father, would you call somebody here today to walk with you? Would you save our heart? Would you change our heart? We love you, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.